This is Daniel Self, lead pastor of the Orchard Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Afterwards, if you would like and subscribe, or if you want more information on The Orchard or to support this ministry, find us at theorchardlife.com. Now know that we are praying for you today, that God would speak to you, and you would have a breakthrough. Well, good morning. Welcome to The Orchard. If you are here in the building or watching online, here, here in Colorado, we have a lot of snow, and so you guys have braved the snowy conditions. I love winter in Colorado. I love the snow as a mountain boy. And I was gone last week. I was supposed to speak. Thank you, Pastor Dan, for stepping up on short notice and delivering an amazing message. So grateful that he is on staff here. Uh, I was supposed to speak, but we had some illness in our family. And you may or may not have heard that my father, our founding and planting pastor, Doug Self, Dr. Doug Self, has been sick. And I just want to report that all his tests looking for something even more grave or more serious have come back clear. And so he still has an infection on his liver that he'll be treating over the next six weeks. So be praying that the antibiotics work on that and, uh, and take effect and so that he can have a full recovery. Yes, for me, me and my family, we had some illness over Thanksgiving, which if, if you're a child who's on uh, Thanksgiving break, that's not when you want to be sick. Uh, it hit each of us individually at different times, but here's what happened. It came to Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving, my wife was very sick. And so it was, I was kind of the lone man standing, and we couldn't go to my parents because we were sick. We couldn't, I couldn't go to our friends giving where they had a bounce house and lots of fun and food, and my kids were like, oh, what do we do? And I said, I, 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 I think I did this, I will cook the Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> Just me. So I, 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 I called my mom and I said, send me your family recipes, stuffing, casserole. You know, I got the smoker going and the mash, all the stuff. And I, st I said, I'm going to do this. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I have led movements before. I have led churches. I have led um, some amazing things and, 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 and done very well in some areas of my life. Uh, I was not prepared to be humiliated at the level that I was on Thanksgiving Day. We were supposed to eat at three. How, how people, my mom, she just said, I whipped up Thanksgiving and sent us this picture of their plate that was perfect. Like, I don't even know, I whipped it up. I mean, how do you get everything to come out at the same time? It, it, you know, like, and, and so finally, we're supposed to eat at three or four, like at 6.30, finally, we're sitting around eating, and, uh, and I'm like, no one better say anything bad about this. I worked so hard, you know. <laughs> My kids survived, we survived, and I had a promise that uh, A, I will never do that again, and B, whoever is cooking, I will be helping them from now on, because that is a huge job. Um, whoever cooked your Thanksgiving meal, go tell them thank you and give them a big hug. Uh, today, I'm so glad to be here, and my energy is through the roof. I'm just so excited to be back, and I'm so excited about what today is going to hold. And whether you're with us online, right now, live, around the world, or locally, and whether you're listening to this on a podcast, this, we have something for you, and if you're here in the house, we definitely, you're going to experience something today with me that I've been looking forward to for a year, for a year. And today, and not only am I excited about what we're going to do, but we get, I'm going to have a, a state of the orchard address, kind of who we are, what God has done in us, and what we're going to do moving forward. And I'm going to get excited. I'm going to talk fast. I already had people in the first service say they're going to have to come back second service because I just get going. But let's get into this. As you know, the mission of the orchard is to love God and love people. If you're new here, you're going to learn a lot about us. If you are a seasoned veteran of the orchard, you're going to hear things that you've known, but I want you to receive it in a new way. We are about loving God and loving people. And today is Advent. And to start Advent, I'm going to use this newfangled lighter that is like a taser. 
Somehow it's, it tases. There we go. Um, and I'm going to light our Advent candle, hopefully, with this electric cattle prod. And so we will we'll have a flame next week. Yeah. It is the love Advent, the time of Christmas. And we have some Christmas songs we're going to be singing. I love the Christmas season. But there's a reason we're going to do what we do today. And there's a reason that we all move forward, we all kind of point forward to our Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve services because we believe that of all the things that can happen this Christmas season, Jesus is the one thing that can change somebody's not only life here on earth, but their eternity. And that's what we're about here at the Orchard. And so today we're talking about the advent of love. And the word for love, one of the words for love in the New Testament is agape. You probably have heard the word agape before. Agape is this big, bold, divine, wonderful love. It's the highest form of love. It's unconditional love of God. It's the love that doesn't stop when someone makes bad decisions. It's the love that gives you a second chance, third chance, millionth chances. Thank God for agape love. And agape is used in the New Testament 253 times. 253. And of those 253, 116 uses of agape are nouns the substance of love. The remainder, all 137 of them, those use agape as a verb. That's love in action. And so the Bible has agape both as a noun in substance and as a verb, love in action. And truly, if we're going to be the people of God that we claim to be, or the church of people that we say we are, then we have to learn that we need more than just love as substance. We need love as an action Because in the Bible, love isn't just a nice virtue. It's not like that nice, fuzzy thing, you know, Jesus, like some people believe he's just like the hippie guy, that love, dude. No, no, but the the love in the Bible is audacious. It's bold. It's big. In fact, the Bible talks about it here in 1 Corinthians 13, 3. It says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Like love in God's kingdom it is, is like the oxygen. It is, is, it is the basis of so much of what happens. And we're going to hear so much more about what God thinks about love as we move forward through today. And as we look at this Christmas Advent, we, I don't have to convince you today. I don't have to convince you, hey, guess what? Love is important. Like, you're, okay, thanks, preacher. That's great. Uh, but but we, need, we need more than just love is important. I want to remind you that you crave love. You receive love, you give love. Like love is something that is so vital to our being. But despite our knowledge of what love is and what we should or should not do with it, listen, we have to admit, it's not easy being loving to people who are unlovable. Like love is easy for those we have love for. Love is easy for those who do what we ask them to. But to love, put love into action for all people is different. So while, while we may resonate with the noun of love, like God is love, we need to understand that God asks us to engage in this as that love should be a verb. Love should be something in action. It's, it's something that the leadership here of the orchard we have been looking at because the orchard, the elders and the leadership, we don't just want to be a church that says, you know, we love God. We want to, and we love people. We want to be a church that puts those things into tangible and real action. I mean, we can't just have it on our t-shirts. We shouldn't just have it in our hearts. It should be something that we are acting on. 
There should be people in our community, in our region, and in your life, in your working places, who are receiving tangible love because you love God and you love people. And it's not just a noun, it's a verb. And so, you know, you may have seen our t-shirts or our marketing, love God, love people. And, and that's pretty easy, right? It's easy to love God and love people. I've, heard, I've had people tell me that's such a simple vision, such a simple mission. I was like, you know, live it. <laughs> live it for a day. Live it in traffic on 82. You'll see it's not as easy as you think, right? In the book of Matthew, we have Jesus preaching. And people show up because they are amazed at his words. They want to hear everything he has to say. They're hanging on every one of his sermons. But there are people there present when Jesus is speaking at this time in this place who don't care about how impressed people are. In fact, they're not impressed at all. They, they, they don't like what Jesus is saying. These are the religious elite. And the religious elite of Jesus' time, they had a stranglehold on religion and the rules and the people. And so they didn't want Jesus to continue his ministry. They wanted Jesus' ministry to stop and to cease. They didn't like that there was this revolutionary rabbi who was taking their people out of their religious control and speaking these new truths to them. So they got together, and here in Matthew twenty two thirty five, we pick up. It says, one of the people listening, one of, the, one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Now, when we see expert in the law, we think of lawyer. And I had a lawyer in the last service, so I had to watch my jokes around a lawyer, you know. But this, this is a lawyer, but not in the way we think of lawyer. You know, not in the way that we have lawyers in our culture. This expert in the law, this lawyer, he's an expert in the law of the Bible, in, of the Tanakh. That is the Old Testament. He's an expert in the Old Testament law. He knows all that was written. He knows all the oral traditions. He knows everything in their Bible that they had, the Tanakh, the Torah and Tanakh. So this guy, listen, he had spent his entire life on the Tanakh. In fact, when he was a young boy, probably around the age of four, he would go to school and he had begun to learn to read uh, the, the word. That's how he learned to read. And then as he progressed through school, he memorized the entire Tanakh. To be an expert in the law and their culture, you had to memorize it. And there's no verses, there's no numbers. And, but they did have this thing they would talk about where the, the master would, he would start a verse. Anywhere in the Old Testament, he would start the verse and they would have to finish it. And then they would have to ask questions and explain it. So they not only have it memorized, they know how to work with it. This, this man is like the, the John Elway of the Old Testament law, the greatest of all time. He knows these things, okay? And so this commandment, he, he steps up, he's a commandment connoisseur, and he steps forward and he asks Jesus. Everyone's there listening to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, which is the greatest com command, commandment in the Bible? Jesus, in all of this, what's the greatest commandment in the law? The law is their Tanakh. What is the greatest commandment? This would be like, you know, when you get pulled over, you ask the police officer, what's the most important law? You know, he's going to say, you know, the one you, the one you just broke, of course, right? But like, how do you choose which one's the most important? All, they all have a purpose. Each one is there for a reason. But, but he asks which one is the most important. Now, if you've been with us here at the Orchard through our Exodus series, you know we're in the Ten Commandments, which we're going to continue after the Christmas season. And so you know there's Ten Commandments. And so which are the Ten Commandments? Well, that, that might be an easier question. But did you know after the Ten Commandments, God goes ahead and gives them about 40 more commandments in Exodus? And then throughout the Old Testament, he gives them 613 commands. Do's and don'ts. 613. 
And then these experts of the law, they took these 613 laws and they began to dissect them and look at them. And then they began to think like, well, well but what about on Tuesdays? And what about on odd days? And they began to add on these laws and layer upon layer upon layer. By the time this man stands up to ask Jesus what's the most important commandment, there's 613 in there and there's thousands on top of it. There's laws for how short and how long you can have the sides of your hair, what clothes you can wear and weave together. I mean, all kinds of laws. Now, my grandmother, she had some laws. She said, my grandmother, she said, I'm a Baptist because Jesus was a Baptist. I don't want to knock her theology there, but, but she also said, Daniel, don't drink, don't cuss, don't chew, and don't go out with girls that do. That was her most important commandment for me as a child. She would tell me that. Now, so, so which commandment for you is the most important? You see, my grandmother, she did something we're so good at, and that is we love to take the, the, the laws of God and add our own on there. And entire denominations, entire churches have been built on extra laws and ways to engage God. Like you have to do this and this. And if you go into different churches, you'll learn pretty quick. There's new laws you didn't know about. And so this man, he gets there and he goes, now which one of these laws, which one of all these is the most important? Now I want, I want to just pause here because we read the Bible and we just kind of see these words floating back and forth. But you have to put yourself in there. I know it's snowy here today, but imagine you're there on that hot and arid afternoon in the Middle East, and you're there listening to Jesus, and there's no microphone. He's speaking to hundreds of people, and they're gathered in, and he's raising his voice, and over here is the group of, of the religious elites, and they're, they're kind of doing their own whispering, like, you do it. No, no, you do it. Okay. You got the good question. Okay, I got the good question. When should I do it? Do it now. Okay. Like, you know, they're, they're planning their little thing. So this man stands up, and he interrupts Jesus while he's teaching. Do you understand how dramatic and how kind of, there would be some conflict in this? And there are people who just can't stand any conflict. Could you imagine if like in the middle of my sermon, someone stood up and started disagreeing with me on something in the Bible? Like, like please don't do that. We can talk afterwards. But you can, <laughs> you can imagine, you can imagine the tension. Could, can you imagine? If in the middle of this, someone stood up and goes, I, I, I have a question for you. What do you think? And you, they're, they're trying to trap. Can you imagine the tension in this room? Now multiply this and magnify this to the judge Jesus. And someone interrupts him and there's immediate tension. All of the religious elites are like, okay, okay. We got him. We got him. Got him. You know, they're all pumped because this, this is their best guy. And, and then you have Jesus' disciples. They're probably behind him somewhere, and they're like, oh, they're, they're watching Jesus, and like, they can feel this immediately. These are, these are young men, and when they grew up watching these religious elites, the wealthiest, the most powerful, the most respected in their community, and now they're interrupting his, their master to ask him this, and the, the tension they would feel, but then the tension of the people from all walks of life as they see this revolutionary rabbi, Jesus, who they've shown up to listen to, and then they see the people who represent the, the religious elite who they've learned through their culture to respect are, are, are interrupting him and asking these questions. The tension would be huge. Everyone is holding their breath here. How's Jesus going to answer? And how Jesus answers can affect the rest of his ministry. If he missteps, then the religious elite can step forward and go, see, obviously, this man does not know the law and does not know God. We can now, you can now stop following him. They, that's what they want. They want to trap him. And so while everyone's nervous here, it's amazing. Everyone's nervous. But, but what's ironic here is we have someone who's an expert in a book asking the author of the book a question about the book. 
And so, so we had, Jesus might have thought this was a little bit amusing, but we have to look that this question is a good one. I mean, of all the commandments, and some of you know the answer because you've been here, but I mean, if you didn't know the answer, which one? Like, which one, which of the 613, which of the 10, which of the 1,000, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, he doesn't flinch. He stands up and he says this in 37. Which commandment's the greatest? <laughs> this one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Now, Jesus, right there, he says, listen, your life. Put God above all things. May he be first in your affection, infections and in, in, infections. My dad's got infections. Jesus first in your affections. <laughs> Put God first in your life, preeminently over all your affections, above all things in life. I mean, it's as simple as that, right? Simple and as hard as that. But Jesus continues in verse 39. The second commandment is like it. Love people as yourself. And Jesus says in other places, he says the entire law hangs by these two things. It's like in, like in the spiritual realm, the entire word of God hangs by love God and love people. All the law, he says, the prophets, everything is summed up with love the Lord your God. With your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. Here at the orchard, we call it love God, love people. This is the DNA of heaven, and this is what we want our church to be fueled and running upon. Then we want to love people the way Jesus did, loving all people. Listen, here at the Orchard, we want to love people no matter their affiliation, their orientation, their connection, or persuasion. And I know for some of you that's difficult to even think about. We want to love people no matter their background, no matter their future, no matter their income, no matter their political party, no matter how they post on social media. I know. See, this is a, we want to be a church that loves people the way Jesus commanded us to. But let me say this. I am not saying that loving people means you have to endorse their lifestyle or decisions. That's not love. I love my children. I don't endorse all their decisions. I don't endorse all the things they do. And love draws boundaries. So when we, but when it comes to the fact, the Bible is very clear, should I love those who are different than me, who, who believe differently, who behave differently, who maybe don't believe in God or behave like God at all, who, should I love those? We, are, we have zero wiggle room when it comes to should we love them. Zero. Love God, love people, all people. The fact that these are the greatest commandments that they sum up the Bible is good news for us. It's really good news. And in fact, some people, I, I, I talk to people who say Christianity is confusing to me. You know, it's confusing. I, I have to come in. I would, in fact, my buddy says, he goes, I'd love to come be a part of your church, but I don't know if I can do all the stuff you guys have to do. And I'm like, what stuff do we have to do? And again, like there's this conception, but here's the deal. Love God and love people. We don't need 613 commandments. We don't need the thousands that humans have added on top of it. Let's love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And let's go forth and love people the way Jesus did. Now, there's freedom in that. Love is central to following Jesus for one reason. This is God's heart. In 1 John 4, 8, it says God is love. Love is not a hobby. The love of God is not some nice, warm, fuzzy, nostalgic, sweet thing where, hey, we just love everybody and it's all. No, no, love, this kind of love that God has is courageous. 
It's bold. It draws boundaries. It calls out sin. It calls people to grace. Love like God loves is something that, that, that is not just nice and sweet. It is, it, is, it, is, it is real and robust. It's real life. Love is God's nature. He is love. Love comes from him. He's the author. He's the founder. He's the creator of love. And we are called to love like him, like Jesus did. And so what, how are we doing? How are you doing, first of all, loving like God has asked us to do, to do so? How are we doing with loving God first and foremost in our life? We never need to compare ourselves to somebody else. Well, I'm doing better than they are, but I'm not doing as well as they are. That's never what we want to do. Instead, Orchard, we model ourselves after Jesus. He's God, he's God incarnate. He showed us what it looks like to put these things into practice. Jesus loved the way we should. And how did Jesus love? He loved sacrificially. He loved authentically, not fake. He loved real from who he was. He loved passionately. He loved his family even when they, his family didn't believe in him. At some points they mock him. He loved his friends even when they betrayed him. He loved his followers when they deserted him. He loved his enemies when they tortured him. He hung on a cross with nails puncturing his flesh and he had the audacity to love those who put him there. So Jesus' love, again, is not some just nice, sweet thing. It is bold. It is courageous. It is pure. It's consuming. It's passionate. It's inspiring. Jesus loved generously. He loved in a way that impacted people's lives. When Jesus loved them, they knew it. They were changed by word or by deed. He didn't just have the noun and substance of love. He put love into action. Love was a verb from him. And how should we love? We should love generously. There should be people at our work and around us, in our homes, in our cul-de-sac, in our region, who they know the love of God because we aren't just based on the substance of love. Yes, Jesus loves me, but we put that substance into action as a verb and we love them. And through how we live and through how we give and through how we love and how we speak and how we act, behave, they would know the love of Jesus. That is how we, that's how they will know the love of God, by us, his believers, loving. Jesus said that they will know you're my followers by your love. So let's model that. We should love generously, which leads us to putting love into action in the announcement I have. Now, um, how does a church like ours practically reach out and love our community? How do we truly love those around them in a way that they, they know it? And there are many ways, and, and we do a lot of things here at the Orchard that I'm proud of. There's a lot of ways that we love, but we, we wanted to do something in particular this December once again to kind of put our money where our mouth is. Put our money where our t-shirt is. To show people that we don't just wear it on our, on our advertising, our marketing, and our t-shirts. But man, we live this. We love God. We love people. And so as a church, some things we do that I'm proud of, we, we uh, sub generously support missionaries overseas for decades. Through Roz Fowler and Outstretched Arms, we, we have supported these missionaries who are over there, work in different places of the world, some we can't, in places that they are not public, that they are working and laboring so people will know Jesus at the farthest places of the earth. We support, we support uh, churches in the island nation of Vanuatu. You know, when we first started in 2020, I got to know Pastor James Nicholson down there in Vanuatu. He's a, he, he's a, a pastor on the, he's a native down there, he's a pastor in the field, and, and we would uh, FaceTime or we would talk, and through his efforts, he spent the, like the last, uh, last year traveling to different uh, villages, and the Orchard Vanuatu, and they have signs, and he wears our t-shirt <laughs> down there, uh, there's now 12 Orchard Vanuatu churches. 
As Pastor James has spent himself and his body and his livelihood and his health going from island nation to village to these places that are un, unreached completely. And some of these churches, most of these churches have elders, deacons. They have a, and some of them are very small because the villages and some are bigger. But it's amazing that there in Vanuatu, uh, there's a growing movement of Jesus, of love God and love people as the Orchard Vanuatu grows. And, and, and there, uh, myself and some of the elders will be visiting Vanuatu and 2024 to do a leadership conference to, to meet some of these pastors, to meet James and hug him and meet some of these pastors face to face and talk about what does it mean to, to, um, to spread the gospel there in these island nations, some of the most remote places on the earth. Our, our missions team, Outstretched Arms, they also, they pray every month and they ask God for insight on where they should give and spend some money that they have every month, both nationally and internationally, responding to crisis. So every month we have a team that has some money who's constantly hearing God's heart on how to give and spend to help some of these things happen. Beyond that, here locally, we, uh, we, we are a church that quietly is supporting some widows and helping those um, single parents and widows who are, who are in need. We also have come alongside many in our community and helped them find what they need in a difficult situation. However, that, whatever that would be tangibly, uh, we provide free counseling to a lot more people than you would know, marriage and just individually. And each week we have programs that help our most vulnerable in our community, from the elderly to the young, infants, and everybody in between. And I want you to know that truly we, the Orchard, are doing everything we can to not just love God, but to love the people of this area and wherever God would lead us overseas. And it's because of many of you who give faithfully that we are continuing to do this, to be a beacon of hope in our region. And, I'm, and I just want to pull aside as your lead pastor and say I'm so grateful. I'm just so grateful for those of you, for those of you who step into this monthly and continue to give faithfully to fuel the mission of God's work here at the Orchard. And my son was blown away. We went on a little, uh, we ran some errands and I was talking to him about what God might want him to do with his life. And what it means to find purpose. And he's asking about work and, and money. And he goes, so how do we get money? How do you get money, Daddy? And, and I said, well, people, people give it to God in that church. And he goes, my tithe pays you? <laughs> my son's like, who's the boss now? <laughs> I didn't like how that conversation went. I'm so grateful personally. And I'm so grateful as the leader of this movement to see how God is giving, how you're giving and is fueling God's. And listen, in churches we get a bad rap because people are just like, give me, give me, give me money. And, and, and money is something you don't want to talk about in churches. But I'm not, I'm not going to be timid about it. I think this is a great place to bring your tithes, your first fruits, and your offerings and your giving. And for many of you who are looking for a place to give your end of year gift, I would say this is a great place to consider the orchard. As we, our finance team, our elders, and our staff, we take this so seriously to see what God would have us do with your gifts and your offerings. So I'm not going to be shy about that. I believe God is doing amazing works here in us and through us. And many of you are fueling that. And um, I'm asking that many of you would step up and fuel us again in the coming year. And here's why. Because for the past year, um, and, and God has been brewing something in our leadership as we've been wanting to make, continue to make a larger impact locally. I mean, we send aid to the ends of the earth. We love people however we can, but we want to show our own neighbors what it means in our region, what it means to love God. And we want to be the church who is known as the center of redemption for this region. And not just an ivory tower, hey, come here and, and, and you know, do the two-handed, hey, brother, how you doing? Like, none of the religious stuff. We want to be known as the actual church who's known that we walk the walk. And we love the way God asks us to love. 
the church who is known to be this, that, that uh, it's the redemptive center of our, of our area. And so myself and the leadership board, we, you know, we might have been here last year. We, we looked at paying off medical debt for people. We looked at all these different ways and initiative we could do um, here in the, in the area to change our region. And uh, last year we kept thinking, and this year as we prayed through this, we again realized that everyone needs food. <laughs> Food's kind of, it's meaningful. And, and so what could we do as a church to help all those in our area wherever they are, whatever their condition, to help them in this holiday season. And so we, we, we uh, started setting money aside, um, putting it away, keeping expenses down, and setting money aside to fuel our generosity project. And so we thought $50,000 was a good amount to, to, as a church to make an impact, to try to step out. And God began to move, and as I had some conversations with a couple in our church, they began to resonate with this, and they believed so deeply in the mission of the orchard. This couple, they said, you know what? We believe in this so much, we're just going to cover it. We're going to cover the $50,000 for the church. We, we, want, we want this to happen here at this place. We believe in it. And, and, and as he handed me the check, and they were sitting there, he goes, he goes, tell everyone it's time to step up. Now, what he means by that is twofold. One is, to step up and to be a part of the project that we're about to talk about. To step up into this. This was provided for us as a gift. And for you, this is an opportunity for you to step up into this area. So the staff and elders, we were looking at this $50,000 and how we could get it all the way. But, but here's what we decided, just like last year, is that, yes, we could give away chunks of this money to different organizations and X, Y, Z. But, Orchard, we are the church. We, you and me, us, we're the church. And so we want all of us to be a part of giving away what God has given us in this generosity project. And so for the second time, the second time in Orchard history, we're going to do an offering. Now, if you've ever been to a church that does an offering, uh, passes the plate, you know what I'm talking about? And I've been to church, I was at a church for a while, and we had those like, nice velvet, like special wooden velvet plates. Nobody bought three. Like, and then you're passing, we didn't do that, but like you were passing it around, and like you, like, you know, you put money in, and, 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 and we just don't pass a plate here. We trust the, we, we just don't, that's not something we do. But for the second time in our, our church's history, we're going to pass a plate. But we're not going to ask for any money. We're going we're gonna to do the reverse offering. We're going to hand out money. We're going to hand out gift cards to the city market for you to take one. For you to take one for your kids as well. And, well, and here's why. Because, because I have been with my children as they've watched me go to the store and give this to somebody and say, hey, um, our church is, is, it wants to, to say Merry Christmas and bless you. And I, I feel like God wants me to give this to you. My kids watch me and Amy do that. But then my kids had their own. And my little daughter in the freezer section of City Market said, walking up to a woman and saying, God told me to give this to you. You know? Like, I want my, ch we want our children to be in on this. Orchard, let me, I'm not, let me just be very honest. The reason we're doing this, we want to be a tangible giving out of life. But the ultimate purpose is, Orchard, if you know Jesus, if you know God's gift of salvation, you have something within you that is greater than any card will ever be, that will change somebody's life and eternity, unlike anything we could ever give them tangibly. And we want to be a church that gets in the habit of giving away life. That you and your life and your relationships would say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me step out and tell you about this. Let me give you eternal, let me give you the keys to eternal life. Let me give you information about Jesus. Let me give you an, let me give you an invitation to the orchard. Let me give you what God has given me. Let me pass this on. And so we start with something small. We can give this away. We can give this away and say, hey, my church wants to invite you to our Christmas. We want to invite you to our church. We just, we just want to bless you. Um, I, I would give this away to, to many people, and they, did, they didn't either know English 
Some people didn't want to speak to me because they, were, they didn't know what I was doing. And so it doesn't have to be some fancy speech. You can give it to them and just say, God bless you. But here's the point. We want to be a church who steps into this. And as we do this offering and everyone receives your card, take one for you. If your spouse or someone isn't here, take one for them as well. Don't take a stack, you know. Here, give it away this week. And here's why. Because I'm going to give you more next week, Okay. So give it away, and, and I'll give you more next week. There was somebody here, and, and she got this last year, and she goes, oh, this is awesome. She, she went out and bought five, six more cards of her own. So she had seven cards, one of ours and six, and she went out and she just had, all December was giving out cards and giving away life. So Orchard, this is something that I want us to do. Um, I'm, I don't know where I am in this. People were asking me, oh yeah, here it is. Um, what, what's the accountability on this? Some people are just gonna take this and abuse it. What's the accountability? Here's the accountability. It's between you and God. I'm not going to control this. I'm not going to try to control this. We're going to hand this out, and I want you to listen to God and do what you need to do with it. And here's the deal. If you get this card and you go, I have very big needs in my life. I need this. Then I want you to contact me. Email me privately. It's in the bulletin. And you tell me, and we'll help you. But this card is for someone else. I will help you so that you can give this one away. So the accountability, hey, it is, it is up to you. But what, what, what should you bring back and report? Someone said, should I, bring a re- should I bring a receipt? Should I get a picture of me and the person? I'm like, no, no. This is not for social media. This is not a social media. Look what we're doing. No, 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 no. That's not what this is about. Only thing I want you to bring me is stories. I want you to get stories from this. I want you to get your community group to tell about it. Tell how you were nervous, how you were scared, how you messed up, how you chickened out, how something awesome happened. Whatever it is, I want you to pass the stories on. The stories are like fire. They keep this thing burning. We've had, last year we did this. We had other churches and other people who don't even believe in God step into this. In fact, I took a little stack of these, like three of these cards to a, a local friend of mine who owns a restaurant. And uh, I call, I say, oh, he knows this. I always say, man, you're my favorite atheist. And he goes, you're my favorite Christian. And we, we just hug each other. You know, we, we have this agreement. And I walk up and I go, hey, man, um, I'm going to give you these cards. These are from the Orchard Church. We're doing something. We're handing out these. And I think you probably know people who are in need. I said, would you just give these out to people you know who need this? And he's like, what's the catch? I go, I go do it? I don't know. And so he goes, okay, okay. Um, he came back the next week. He was back there. He put everything down, came running out. Um, and he, he said some words that I can't say in church. And, and he, uh, he goes, you'll know. He gave me a big hug, tears in his eyes. He goes, you guys are messing with me, man. You're messing with me. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, dude, I brought those cards to people. And, and I gave it to him. He goes, I cried. He goes, they cried. And then I told him, like, dude, this is from our church. And he, he, goes, he goes, all I know is that churches get money. He goes, you guys are just giving it away. <laughs> he, goes, you, he, goes, he goes, man, you're messing with me. You're messing with me. And may we mess with people who have a worldview that says that we shouldn't do this. We go out and give away just a small tangible thing, but with that, may we give away the invitation to life for what God has for them. So stories is what you give um, to be, go forth and be a blessing. And please, please get your kids in on this, Okay. Please get your children on this and come back next week. Orchard, here's what I want us to do more than anything. I want us to start in small ways training to give away life. I want us to get used to risking. It is terrifying to walk up to a stranger and go, 
here's a card. you'll, You'll find it's scarier than you thought. But I want us to get used to risking and giving away life because God has so much more in store for us, his people, as we step out in courage and boldness. Because love God and love people can't just be on our church wall. It can't just be on our t-shirt. It has to be some, it can't just be a noun. It has to be a verb. It has to be something that we are putting into practice. And so this is one small way the leadership we've asked, let's, let's go have some fun with this. Let's go give it away. And so uh, Dan, can you come, and some of the staff and elders and uh, people I've asked to help you guys can come forward. And uh, we're gonna do a reverse offering. We're not very good at it, I learned last service. Like we don't know all the rules. Like there's like you hand it back. So just help us out, hand them out. Someone go to the, um, the balcony as well and, and, and grab a card. And again, come back next week. We'll reload you and do this. Um, but here's, here's the bottom line. As we go into this song that's about called Fresh, Fresh Fire, we want to light a fire, a beacon of hope in this area, in this region. We want to light the beacon, the, the lighthouse that says Jesus is where life is found. And, and through things like this and through our stepping in and risking, the fire spreads. And so Orchard, as we respond in worship, I want you to sing this song, not as... I know everybody's distracted by the, by the cards. Here's what I want. I don't want us to stand and just sing this song as a song. I want us to sing this song as a prayer and as a declaration. I want fresh fire. And I want to see a fresh fire in this region. And I want to be part of a, of a people that is moving to give away life. Not just something small and tangible, but, but eternal life. And we're asking Jesus to do great things. So as you receive this, can I pray over you? Father, Father God, this is a small thing in your economy. But Father, I pray that over the days, weeks, and months, I pray there would be people whose names are written in in your book of life because orchard believers stepped out and risked some deed and some words. Father, I pray you take this small offering that we have in our hands, these cards, and Lord, I pray you multiply it into something we could never imagine. And I pray that this would catch fire in our area. Lord, I pray for the orchard you'd have us be bold and courageous. In Jesus' name, amen. As you get your card, here's what I want you to do. Put it in your pocket, put it in your purse, and as you go about your life, just say, God, who do I give it to? He might highlight a stranger at a store, he might highlight any number of people. And my ask is that you would just be willing to go risk and give it to that person wherever it might be. Deal? Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? And I'll, oh, one more thing, I'm sorry. If you're online with us today or you're on the podcast and you're like, I'm in San Antonio and I'm gonna do this or I'm in wherever I am, will you email us? We're gonna send you this as well. We want everybody who's a part of the Orchard to get on this. And so as we stand and sing, uh, Orchard, let us now sing this song of God lighting a new fire within us. Amen.